Our second scripture reading this morning is a short passage from one of the Apostle Paul's letters from Ephesians chapter 3. We hear this. Dear ones, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with the power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And may God continue to enlighten our understanding of this text. Well, apparently Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote many, many letters which are contained in the New Testament, he wrote these letters to the church, the early church, and apparently he still has things to say. Now, I don't know how he did it, but the Apostle Paul sent us a letter this week, making it really easy for me to prepare this Sunday. So all I have to do is read to you greetings from our brother Paul. Here it is. He types, typed it and everything. <laughs> I, Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, send greetings to you, all the saints and disciples of the church in Western Springs. Well, I hear you call yourselves First Congo. So hello, First Congo. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and a special shout-out to our leaders, Rich and Catherine. Um, I'm, not, I'm still not sure about that character, Meredith, but give her my best as well. Huh. Well, I pray that each and every one of you recognize and embrace that you are leaders and disciples. And I give thanks to my God always for all of you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge in every kind. I know that you are not lacking in any spiritual gifts, for I have witnessed your great works and your desire to be and to continue to become Christ's faithful disciples. And now I understand that you are gathering this summer to hear and learn more about what it truly means to be the church. Well, you know, way back when, in my day, church met meeting in one another's homes. Everyone was welcome, and hospitality to the stranger was foundational in what it meant to be the church. The welcome statement on your website and bulletin are wonderful. And I do hope you're also out there personally inviting people to your community, especially those who might not be just like you. For our early churches, it also didn't matter where we met, for wherever two or three gathered in Christ's name, we were being the church. It may have been in someone's home, or in a courtyard, or under a tree, or by a lake. We were also being the church when we were feeding the hungry, befriending the lonely and the outcast, and forgiving one another when we stumbled. 
And the same should still be true for all of you. And I hope you know that you don't need to come into your beautiful sanctuary to be the church. For wherever we gathered, we knew that just like your congregation, we were one body. We learned that speaking the truth in love, we grew and were joined and knit together as the body of Christ. Well, one of the things I've noticed about your congregational tradition is that there are no bishops or cardinals, but that each of you play a role in the leadership of the church, and each of you are called to use your gifts. You recognize and honor that Christ is the head of your church. And you have a variety of gifts from the same spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. To another, faith and devotion to prayer. To another, gifts of healing. And to another, singing or playing an instrument to another, prophecy, and the willingness to speak up for justice, and to another, the care and teaching of your dear children. While I'm really, really worried about your children, so many of them seem to be under so much pressure and their stress levels seem unusually high. I'm also very concerned about so much violence in their schools, and I pray that you are all using your gifts to put an end to this sad and tragic violence. Now, wherever and whenever we gathered, we shared stories of how Christ had changed our lives, and we worshiped and praised and gave thanks for our many blessings. We would often come together from the various house churches to share a common meal and break bread together. I think you call that communion today, but I think you also call it a potluck supper sometimes. And I've noticed that you haven't been doing too many potlucks lately. Maybe you should think about doing more of those. You've gotten so big that it seems that sometimes you don't know one another very well. And there's nothing like sharing a meal or breaking bread together to really get to know one another. But in the meantime, perhaps you could make an effort to talk and meet someone new at coffee hour today. I hear there are lots of goodies. And personally, I, well, I would have preferred some smoked fish out on the lawn, but I hear the coffee cake from Kirschbaum's is the bomb. Now, if you've read any of my previous letters, you know the ones that I wrote to the churches in Rome and Corinth, you may have realized that sometimes, well, we church people lost sight of what was really important. Sometimes we grew weary of upholding the teachings of Christ, and sometimes we even got a little cranky with one another. Now, I know you've heard part of the letter that I wrote to the church in Corinth, but it keeps being read at weddings. And it is a lovely sentiment at weddings, but please, please know these words are meant for you as church, and how you could be loving one another as members of the same church, and how you could be loving one another in all those committee meetings. By the way, what's with all those committee meetings? Anyway, if I say so myself, I think these words, even 2,000 years later, bear repeating and keeping in mind and heart as we go about being the church. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. And as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. For when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put away childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. And friends, I do know now, I have met love face to face. And believe me, Christ was not kidding when he said to love God and to love yourself, that you might love your neighbor. Yes, you are called to be the church within these walls, but more importantly, you are called to be the church in the world. When I walked this earth, I noticed that so many people had become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, ungrateful, even inhumane, haters of good and swollen of conceit. I don't know if you are noticing the same thing today, but I do sense that the world in which you live in is in desperate need of more love. Now I know it's not easy, but you are supported and embraced by the love of Christ, for I am convinced more than ever that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And if you practice loving one another inside these beautiful walls, you can then leave this place being a loving presence to all. For you are meant to be the agents of God's love in the world. Well, one of the things that I had to keep reminding the members of the early churches was to flee from worshiping idols because worshiping false gods keeps you from loving your neighbor. Well, for some reason, this does seem to be a difficult lesson to learn. And I've noticed that you worship this new god called Apple. I I'm not sure what the new Apple is, but they're usually not red, but they sure are shiny, and everyone seems to have one or lots of them, in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and sometimes they seem glued to your ear. And my goodness, you spend a lot of time with your chosen apple. Well, have we not learned from Adam? Really? The apple, the apple is not what you should be tempted to worship. What other idols 
might you be worshiping? And so please remember that what it truly means to be the church is to live as best as you are able as Christians out in the world. Let your love be genuine and work hard to prevent what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal and be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope and be patient in suffering and persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of everyone with no exceptions and extend hospitality to strangers. And as your pastor Rich said this morning, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the poor and the vulnerable and the person that doesn't sound or look like you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Beloved, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Christ is counting on you to shine like stars in the world. I've even heard it said this way, Christianity is a way of life, a way of living and doing, not just a system of beliefs. We do Christianity with our hands and feet. If you do Christianity right, if you are truly being the church, you might even break a sweat. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, keep alert, stand firm in your faith, and be courageous, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love, for God is at work in you. Rejoice in the Lord always, and let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do not worry about every, anything, but put everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard, and the peace of God will be with you, and you will truly be the church. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Practice love, my friends, for the holiest moment of the church service is the moment when God's people go out of the church door into the world to be the church. Don't just go to church. Be the church. Finally, I have often closed my letters with the suggestion to always greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, I understand you can't really do that anymore, but may I suggest that you take this moment to greet one another, especially perhaps someone you may not already know, with a holy and loving handshake. Peace be with you, my dear sisters and brothers in Christ. And now, may you share that peace of Christ with one another.